0: I'm Allison Colarossi here with my husband, Dr. David Colarossi, the psychologist, and we are here for Shrink Wrapped, where we talk about popular psychology, things that are happening, and also answer listener questions—and mostly my questions. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So we are. Uh, so we've got this on YouTube. It's also a podcast. You can get it uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and this is episode six. I can't believe we've already got uh, five, five completed. So it's been fun.
0: (laughs) Not a fuss or bite. No, uh -uh. uh I'm not. Okay.
1: So what do you wanna talk about? How have you been?
0: Well, I've missed you. I've missed you too. But while you've been gone, I've been killing the game.
1: (laughs) So I went on a, every year my family goes on a big fishing trip. This year we went to um, Yellowstone. I was gone for six days, uh, which left Allison uh, at home taking care of things. And then I've been home for three days and I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go to California mm-hmm. for four more days. Yeah so, so it's, been I, rough,
0: it's been rough and I work full-time so zoom calls sh- my little short people and a household is and two dogs it's a lot it's just non-stop I am so tired at the end of the day.
1: But I did a wonderful job like preparing the house and setting up for success before I left you did
0: not you did not <laughs> okay we've been arguing about this
1: because I feel like I really did a good job cleaning down cleaning the basement I give you a and, D and she gives me a D but I, re- I really felt like I put my best foot forward on that
0: so when if I were to leave for six days yeah I I like have meals prepared for you I go grocery shopping for you things are like buttoned up. There is dog food for sure. It's just not the same level.
1: <laughs> I agree. I did. Yeah, I agree. But I, I, cleaned.
0: And then the tree guys came and I didn't even know what to say to them. They're like, "So we're supposed to do this and this," and I was like, "I have no idea." And he's in the bad country.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I should get credit because I obviously was dealing with the tree guys. That was I mean, after
0: I had called them instead <laughs> of <set it laughs> all right up. So we, all we right, should... I'm going to get
1: skewered again about emotional burden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Tee>. so, <laughs> but we're going to really drive that but point I'm, Yeah, I'm we're working gonna on We're going to drive that. it home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so it's been rough. I don't want you to go. I hope you enjoy the wedding. Wear a mask.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's been rough and I think it's been especially stressful for you because in the midst of me being gone, uh, you also found out that Denver Public Schools uh, is now not going to go back full time. They've actually delayed the start, and when they do start, they're probably going to go back part-time or virtual, and there's a lot well, of chaos. They're going to
0: start virtual, and then they have to meet certain metrics. I went on the... the They had a call today about it, and you have to make a decision on Monday whether or not your kid is going to go virtual, or they're going to go um, virtual, possibly go back to school. But you have to make the decision, and... I feel like it's such limited information. I'm sure the schools are reeling and trying to keep their teachers safe and the students safe. Um, one of the questions came up is that the reason they can't do outdoor school is because they have to keep the kids safe.
1: From what,
0: Like someone coming on campus or something and being oh. like something else to deal with. So they have a lot oh. of things. I think the, some, okay, some days, during this whole quarantine thing, I really feel like I am killing it. <laughs> and then other days, I feel like it's so heavy. Like, like when they okay. announced that Denver Public Schools wasn't going back, um, I felt like an elephant sat on my chest. And you weren't here, and I just, um, just sat there for a second being like, um... And then like all of um, the next door people are like getting um, nanny. next door people. uh, It's an app for your neighbors. They're like getting it out, like phone calls are going out, but I just feel like so overwhelmed by, like I'm not sure. So anyway, we're working through that and I'm sure a lot of people are and it makes me nervous.
1: Yeah, it's been a, so my cousin and another friend that came on the trip are both teachers. And so we were talking a lot about this and I was expressing frustration because on my end, it's like the data doesn't seem to be supporting uh, the idea that kids get COVID. And if they do, it's pretty questionable whether or not they pass it, um, you know, but they probably do a little bit. And I was like, well, I don't understand why there's this reticence to get back to school. Um, and then my cousin made a good point, which is what about the teachers? Like the teachers, unlike, you know, a nurse or a physician they didn't sign up to be kind of in risk in this way when they decided to become teachers. And so for us to all of a sudden be like, hey, get back out there uh, and take care of our kids, it definitely puts an undue burden on them. And they're getting pay cuts because taxes, tax dollars are down. So in addition to them being asked to go put themselves at risk and put their families at risk, uh, they're also getting paid less. It's not like they can, you know, I was thinking, well maybe because we need them more, maybe we can Pay yeah, I actually. it is
0: it is a crazy, because one of the things they mentioned on the call was that if, like, what happens if it's the teacher that gets sick and there's, like, 25 kids in the class, then they have to scramble and get another educator. Yeah. It's just, it's a total nightmare, whatever side you fall on. And I think where I'm at emotionally, like, I'm very concerned about the teacher's, I'm also concerned about the students. And then I'm also concerned about like the chasm it can cause like socioeconomically by kids not being in school because certain kids um, are not able, like the, their most, the best chance they have at a healthy adult are their teachers and the interactions they have at school or like the best chance that they have at getting like, three square meals a day is from school, which is really sad. But now like, like, like now they, they are delivering or they're, they are providing meals. But then like, if the school buses aren't going to school, how is the kid going to get, it's just, it's so, so much. And then they need to have internet, like Denver's providing all the computers to the kids and hotspots. But I still feel like if, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's they don't have the support. There's of... no
1: question. if you if you're a if you're a single parent, um, and you've got one or two kids at home, and you have to go to work, and your kids not able to go to school, you're you are going in many cases may not be able to afford to have you know a nanny or a nanny share come in. Your kids going to be stuck at home, by themselves. And so for me, when you talk about a chasm, I think the chasm is uh, those kids may not get the same level of care or education that a kid that's able to go to a private school or get a nanny or all those kinds of things would receive. Like they'll be sort of once they're out of the system in that way, I think it could be more difficult for them to grow and develop. Yeah.
0: yeah. I feel very fearful about it all. And I see in this instance, I see everybody's side. It all makes sense to me and I don't know what the best answer is. And, um, yeah, yeah it's just, it's crazy. Anyway, Let's talk about a well, happier Can I say, just kind of say okay. one
1: thing about it? Like, I, I do want to... I don't know what the society was that came out, but, like, Academy of Pediatrics, or somebody came out and was talking about the... the Not economic, but the impact uh, on kids not to be able to be social for that time. Mm-hmm. And I just want to validate that. Like, for me, that's what... For our kids, for Enzo, who's our five-year-old, that's what I'm worried about. I'm less worried about the academic piece, but I'm I'm I am concerned about him being... Continually exposed to other kids in relationship development and all that kind of stuff like, to me That's a major miss if we're not able to provide that for him So when we
0: were on the super serious quarantine lockdown for yeah. eight weeks, I felt like Enzo was sadder
1: Yeah, for sure. I thought he was too
0: cuz like I just couldn't I couldn't chase him as much as he wanted, and t- <laughs> like I would have to yeah. chase him for hours. Yeah, that'd be a, that's yeah. a
1: full-time job.
0: Um, so I could I could already see. I think like I think uh, our other one was our little guy was totally happy no matter what. Yeah, the but.
1: two-year-old was good.
0: <laughs> All right, so thank you for humoring me on that topic. Um,
1: what, do you, what do you?
0: I have a couple. We are. We're gonna. I we're gonna take inadequate Deb's question and also Katie May's question. But I'd like to start with ghosting first.
1: Which is your question.
0: Which is my question.
1: So what's the question?
0: What? Why do people ghost? And why is it hurtful?
1: Well, Can you define ghosting?
0: So ghosting is when you're in a relationship. Either romantic or a friendship or family member. And all of a sudden there's like zero contact. And zero reason why. It's just... Like they died and went away. And I feel like you mourn it that way.
1: If, if you've been ghosted.
0: If you've been ghosted.
1: Yeah, so I always hear ghosting like if you're like on you know, if you're if you're on uh, one of the dating apps, you have a couple dates and you're not you're tired of that person, instead of going through the burden of calling the person and saying, Hey, you're great, but I don't want to spend any more time with you, you just lose their number and you ghost them. But I think it can be pretty damaging if you're in a closer relationship, like if it's a family member or a friend or someone that you have to interact with frequently and they all of a sudden bail on you and you're left sort of wondering what went wrong. I think it can be pretty painful because there's this sort of feeling of, you know, where did I misstep, how did I go sideways? You, feel, you know, the, the, um, the unknown creates more distress than if you actually had the conflict.
0: Just like to quote Brene Brown, the story you tell yourself
1: yeah, well, you start you start telling yourselves multiple yeah. things, right? Um, and sometimes it can be that they're intentionally ghosting you, and other times it can be, like we had talked about earlier, uh, that it may feel, like, I wonder if to my friends, if it feels like I periodically ghost them, not that I have any intention of not talking to them, I just get distracted with stuff, and I'm not good about, you know, staying in contact with people. So there are people that I went to high school with that I periodically check in with and I'll go six months and and like just simply forget to Reach out and I let that relationship kind of go downhill So I wonder if those people feel like I'm ghosting when I'm you know, I wonder if they tell themselves a story That's not true. Yeah
0: Yeah, I feel like and you 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 could probably comment on this but I feel like friendships are Like take just as much work as like romantic relationships and Mm. you really have to nurture them.
1: Yeah, Uh, But the, but so I I described ghosting, I was saying, you know, in some cases it's not sort of, it's not, it's not always intentional, but sometimes it is intentional. And I do think in a friendship or a closer romantic relationship, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a semi-aggressive, passive-aggressive even, uh, style of, you know, saying screw you, right? Because you know that you're creating that distress for someone.
0: But maybe in your way, you don't know. Like you don't, you don't think you are, you just kind of move So on. I don't
1: know that I, I think, ghosting is intentional. I don't intentionally ghost, I just space the relationship. <laughs> but I'm saying if you're in a, if I'm in a relationship with someone for six months and I get tired of them, instead of breaking up with them or instead of telling them mm-hmm. that I'm uh, frustrated with them, if I just discontinue the, the contact intentionally... That's kind of passive aggressive, right? I know it's gonna be uncomfortable for them, but I don't wanna have the conversations. It's passive aggressive or maybe it's conflict avoidant. You're putting a lot of distress or pain on the other person and trying to avoid it all yourself. Yeah. And I would argue uh, that you, in those kinds of relationships, instead of ghosting, you owe it to that person to communicate why you're upset or why you don't wanna to talk to them anymore.
0: Well, um, Mel Robbins had a really good quote today.
1: Who's Mel Robbins?
0: She's the person that wrote 5, 4, three, two, one, blast off, that book.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know what the... I, all I can tell you is what my wife does is like when she's... She gets up... Allison gets up 5.30 every morning to go work out.
0: 4.30.
1: I'm asleep. But when she can't get out of bed, she goes, she goes 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, blast off, <laughs> and then she just jumps out of bed. I am not wired that way, but that's how she gets up. And that's from that book? It's from that
0: book. Oh. I love that. It's called the Five Second Rule. If you haven't read it, it's good. And actually, I really enjoy following her on Instagram. She's inspiring. Um, so, but um, her quote today was, "How people treat you is not a reflect. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna screw it up. But it's like it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on them, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I why? See, yeah. So I just misquoted that, but I I love that because it's true. Like, if if someone's ghosting you, then they're like, have their own stuff.
1: Yeah, they got their own issue. They got their stuff. Yeah.
0: Like, they're feeling insecure about something or they're hiding some narcissism or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of ghosting, I heard that you got ghosted by uh, sort of a a certain someone. My friend, yeah.
0: No. Oh! Oh, Yeah! Well, I thought he was my friend. So, uh, I got ghosted by Dave Hollis (laughs) on Instagram, and it broke my heart a little. Like, I felt like, you know, I really liked him. We went through... We've been going through a hard time. A hard Hard season. season.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've been going through a hard season. And so... It wasn't my finest moment.
1: Wait, so what, yeah. Tell I'm
0: going to tell him. I He wrote some obnoxious, what, what I thought was obnoxious on Instagram. So I just wrote a comment that said, um, you suck. I feel like
1: that. And that was all you said. That's
0: all I said. But then after that, like I told David, I think Dave Hollis got rid of his Instagram and <laughs> did it. Dave, my Dave can see Dave Hollis' Instagram. All my friends can see it. Not me. I am been ghosted because I didn't, Which, I didn't do, I wasn't my best self.
1: That, well, I, here's what I would say is if I were, if I were Dave Hollis's friend, or if I was his, you know, if I was, if he was consulting me on how to manage his social media, I would do the exact same thing. I would just go through my Instagram account or whatever and anybody who said something negative, I would just cut him out. Because he's well, yeah. got so many people. I'm, I'm, I am sure you're not the only one to tell him that he sucks. And I, I bet that uh, that's pretty mild for his.
0: <laughs> Even so.
1: But I, I can't tell you, are you excited about it? It's like, it's kind of a cool thing. Like At least he knows who he at least thought about you for a second for him to unfollow He you. took a picture or, with she, me
0: at Rise. He knows who I am.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I bet you he's sad about losing that relationship. <laughs>
0: Well, if you read his book, you would know that he does get sad about people writing negative things. And then he wants to come over and have dinner to prove that he's not negative. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Can you,
1: do you now, can you, are you, once you've been hmm. um, blocked on Instagram, can you come, can you be unblocked? I
0: don't like, know. Like, can you
1: work your way back in? I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, lesson because that wasn't nice of me. <laughs>
1: It, will you talk? And you've also been—you still talk. You're still, uh, you still—you are still reading Rachel Hollis's Sunday uh, emails, right? Yeah. What are, I haven't read those. She got else. a dog. Unless oh, I did read that one. Is that the last one you read? I
0: think she. I think her last one is was about hostess gifts or something when you bring to a party, which seemed very out of like, who's going to a dinner party right now? Oh. Seemed oh. out of touch. Oh. Like we're not talking about your divorce, and we're talking about dinner parties, and we can't. Like, I, what is happening? <laughs> 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 so, um, anyway, so now on to listener questions. Yeah. Okay. So inadequate Deb um, is had a question about teaching about mob mentality to her kids and um, that's kind of a hot buzzword in Trump's world right now is mob mentality so uh, i don't know if you want to talk about it in that sphere or
1: um, well, her, so i did i, I saw think her about question. like
0: groupthink
1: yeah so i saw her question and i think and sorry if i butcher this inadequate Deb. Mm-hmm. but but first of all every time i see your name i always want to tell you i think you probably are adequate it
0: seems <laughs> like it's just sad you <laughs> You're enough. It's Deb. no. Oh,
1: it's no. It's her name is not inadequate, Deb. Oh, it's
0: yeah. Not a great inadequate. name. Great yeah, yeah, go. Yeah,
1: okay, okay. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, you just have inadequate, Deb. Uh, it's not inadequate. So uh, I think what she was saying is she has a daughter who she wants to make sure doesn't buy into or follow mob mentality, and so she wants to advise her daughter about how does she know, how can her daughter know uh, when she's in a mob, um, and you know how can she think for herself. And so I'm actually, I think it's a, Deb, I think it's a great question and I've thought a lot about sort of what goes into that. And I don't, sadly, I don't have like some research study or I'm not certain about uh, my conclusion here. So I'm just sort of going off the cuff, um, which is to say, uh, I would argue that mob mentality is actually really adaptive. Uh, People are, by nature, very tribal. And if you think about kind of the evolution of our history, there was a time that it was really important for us to be in tribes. And when you're in a tribe, it is adaptive for you to operate as a single unit. Um, and that's, that's protective. If you just go out on your own and, and think independently, uh, that can be really dangerous, right? But as society has evolved, that strategy of just tying into a tribe or a mob can be maladaptive. Um, so I feel like it's ingrained in our DNA to work as a group all of the time, um, when now we probably have the ability and should be more intentional about thinking independently. So that's just to say, I think that's why mob mentality exists. Um, and then as far as what to tell your daughter, I would say that it's it's obviously encourage her to think independently and always challenge her, you know, I would tell her to always challenge herself to... Um, think outside of the box and not just do what other people are are doing but that's that's pretty difficult especially for a teenager it's pretty difficult to find yourself uh, and be different than everybody else it's it's a hard that's it's hard I think a better challenge would be to also say make sure that you're picking the right tribe in high school well throughout your life you will always find yourself in little cliques and tribes and I think the best you can do is curate that tribe, make sure you're picking the right people so that you are elevating your game as opposed to you know just always finding the lowest common denominator and putting yourself at risk.
0: Never yeah always like never be the smartest person in your group. Yeah. Never be the most fit.
1: Yeah so if you think if I think about high school there were lots of groups that I could be a part of um, and I'm happy I was part of the group I was that I associated with because I think that group as a whole, that mob made some good decisions and that helped me. And if I had been in a different group and didn't recognize it, I think my life would have been very different. Mhm. You too?
0: I me too, yeah. And also I think that um you know, based on my data I have shown that I am I I am nonconformist.
1: Yes, you are. Yeah. yeah that's true she yeah she it's easy for her to get you more than most I think are comfortable doing things differently than other people
0: I yeah I like to do things um, yeah like just I'm not that I purposely do it different but I'm not I'm not gonna go with the grain to go with the grain
1: I would actually if I was gonna I'm not sure I totally agree with that so part of my job is to evaluate leaders but when they're hired into a company so Allison's taken some of the tests that I use, and one of the tests shows that she uh, doesn't conform to rules. And I think that's where I would say, I think you push back on rules or guidelines. I think you like to push back on rules or guidelines. That like don't insti- make sense. Institutional rules, you are really quick to go, that's stupid, and not do that rule, not follow that rule. But you are super, super more than like anybody I know invested in being part of a team and being part of a group and feeling connected yeah. to people so i don't know that you can say like you're like one of you don't want to be on the outside of groups you want to be outside the rules
0: yeah that's, that's true. I think yeah that. yeah yeah i think that's good
1: you're like the world's most social person
0: i'm social but i think i'm also an introvert at the same time i feel like i'm both
1: you can be both those things yeah
0: i'm a mixturevert
1: <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> How do you call it? I don't. I don't know, but I like extrovert. I think there is a term for that. <laughs> so does that? What do you think about that answer for not an adequate Deb?
0: I thought that was good. The other we, Katie May's question. Wait, but
1: what do you think? Do you have a thought for her? I don't want to just be the only one that responds.
0: No, I thought it was good. I mean, I think you would say all the things that I would say. Um, you know, mob mentality is hard. Be- like right now, because if you like, there's right now. I feel like we live in a world where there's no tolerance, sorry, uh, for a different differing opinion on either side. So like we're so polarized now. So if you're part of the Democratic mob, you can't really have a differing opinion than that. And I feel like the same as the conservative side. And, yeah, so and it's really unfortunate because I feel like there's, because of that, you're labeled and then you're stereotyped. And it's, and um, dialogue's not happening. And in Brene Brown's new book, she talks about, um, it's, I think it's called Braving the Wilderness or something, but she talks about how because people are so separated in that way and in their mobs, people are actually lonelier because they're not having conversations and they're automatically assigning stereotypes to other people uh-huh. which is maybe sad. That'd be a good, maybe
1: maybe that'd be a good book for not an adequate devs daughter to read
0: I think that book would be great for her to read What's it called? Um, it's I'm sorry guys
1: I'll link it below it's it's Brene Brown I'll just put it in the notes well I can, let's, I, let's, I, can
0: I can pull it up real fast, guys. Uh, Braving the wilderness. I was right. Brene Brown. Okay. Yeah, it's a really good. All right,
1: and then you have one for uh, Katie May. Yes.
0: Um, Katie May asked you a question. She is severely disabled, and she has a caretaker that is also her boyfriend. So, Katie, I'm assuming you're getting paid by him. Um, no,
1: she's paying him. I'm sorry,
0: you're paying him to take care of you. Or
1: the state could pay him.
0: Yeah, What I mean, he's he's being paid for this job. And um, he she is a very positive person from what she says, but he is very negative and it seems like he's resentful about um, having to take care of her and do stuff for her and also um, complains, she says, from morning to night. And um, it's bringing her down, and also making her feel negative. And uh, she wants to know how to deal with it.
1: So, so, um, so, first of all, Katie May, thanks for the comment. And um, when I read that comment, it, it so my very, one of my very first jobs I had when I was starting off as a therapist. Um, was to work at a place that had me, I would go to different homes of people that were disabled that couldn't leave their house for whatever reason, uh, and I would do you know treatment for them, um, or do therapy with them. And so I saw this dynamic a lot where you'd have this person in their house and then their caregiver that was both romantically involved. So what would usually happen is they would be in a romantic relationship and one party would get hurt, or the romantic relationship would start with the one party hurt, and then the boyfriend or girlfriend would become, would get training and would, be, would become the caregiver. That's important because the, these caregivers are not people that decided on their own, I wanna be a caregiver and let's, you know, hopefully the state can pair me up with the right person. They were paired and then the person became a caregiver and I assume that Katie May, that's probably what happened, I'm guessing that's what happened for you because what happens is the care, the, the level of care can be good or it can be bad, but it can it can be very difficult for a caregiver um, to live that life if that's not what they always wanted to do. And they'll and sometimes they do it and they're happy to do it because they really love the person, but it, it's hard. And so I can understand why your caregiver can be really can be really negative. So that dynamic happens. I think it's a very uh, common dynamic, but I'm also I want to say that I'm also, proud of you for calling it out and not being okay with it because what I saw a lot when I was working in that world is the disabled person saying, you know, I'm lucky I've got this caregiver and so I'm just going to suffer and deal with whatever, you know, asshole I have in my life. And the reality is you, you don't have to do that. You really are the employer and you really should advocate for yourself. So I don't know how bad it is. But let's just say it's on the extreme and it's to the point where we would describe it as being emotionally abusive and you're miserable in the house. Uh, even though you may love that person, you still have a, the ability and the responsibility to get the right kind of care and you can notify the state that the care you're receiving is not what you need and you can get another caregiver to come in and your boyfriend can go pursue another job uh, and still be your boyfriend. Like I think that's an option that people rarely exercise because You know, you have this sort of a meshed relationship where you both feel dependent on each other and you can't really advocate for yourself. So, the first thing I would say is if it's that severe, advocate for yourself. The second thing I would say is I think you want to be as intentional as you can about reaching out to people outside of your caregiver for support. So, you had said in your comments, I think that you're, you know, reading books or watching positive movies or listening to positive music. All those things work as well, but I would go further to say, you know, join an online book club, you know, do what you can to go, you know, meet other people outside in the community. I don't know exactly what your situation is, but the more you can reach out and expand your sphere of your circle of influence, the, the sort of uh, less significant your caregiver will become. You can kind of minimize him by reaching out to other people. And then the last thing I would say, obviously, I think you've done this, but be but be crystal clear about what you expect from him and the level of positivity and support you expect for him. That's from him. That's a big part of being a caregiver is the emotional side, the psychological side. And if he is just being so negative constantly, uh, he's not he's not doing his job.
0: Sounds like he resents his his role, and I don't think that's healthy for you because like he. It's, your, it's not your fault. You're doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, you need someone in there that um, wants to be that person for you. And it's okay. Your, your boyfriend doesn't... He can play a different role in your life. Um, and maybe he will be a less resentful and happier. Um, and then you'll have someone that... Is paid to do that job and wants to do that job. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that um, they really feel a calling to be a caregiver so yeah I I would encourage you to maybe think about that because you don't need people bringing you down. Yeah. The whole world can bring you down you don't need that.
1: Yeah I agree. So. And, I, and I also feel like I, I should say this as you're talking like I, I feel like we're you know crapping on the boyfriend and that's but that's just from the paragraph that we read um, obviously we've not, I've not met you, I've not met your boyfriend. So I I also feel like we should hedge a little bit and say, we don't know your circumstance, but, uh, those are some thoughts that we, that we have just based on what we read. And thank
0: you for writing in questions. Yeah. Um, it helps us, it helps us and it helps the show and it helps us formulate some good, good, thoughtful questions. So we appreciate it.
1: Please keep the comments coming. Um, again, as always like, and subscribe and, uh, If there's anything that you would like us to do differently or a way that we could structure this better, you know, we are, this is still evolving, um, and the more feedback we can get, the better. We really do read all the comments.
0: Yep. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.